Welcome to Major Choices, a podcast all about designing the career you want. This podcast is brought to you by the Career Development Center at Indiana University, where we work with thousands of college students each year, helping them navigate their own major choices in life. In 30 minutes or less, we will discuss how to explore your options, learn about yourself, and start to head down a career path that feels right for you. Think of this as your personal career coaches in your feed on the go. This season, we are lucky to have a career peer host, Alex King, offer her wisdom and perspective as a college student who is navigating her own career development journey in real time as she hits the streets to talk with students about the topic of the day. No matter where you are on your own college or career journey, we hope that this podcast offers you bits of wisdom as you design your path ahead, as well as offer you a few tangibles you can implement right here, right now, as you consider your own next steps. So stick around. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Major Choices. Welcome to Major Choices. We're so glad you're here. I'm Caitlin, a career coach at the IU Career Development Center. And hi, I'm Nikki, a career coach at the CDC too. Today's episode is about building community through networking. So recently, I read in a 2020 LinkedIn survey that 73% of participants reported that they were hired in the past through networking. Wow, that's a high percentage. Well, I guess it makes sense since especially I I got my start here at the CDC by networking, or I should say like working my network. Same. Honestly, all my jobs I've had were from networking. It's crazy because I always thought the networking was so much bigger than it was. I did too, especially as like a first-generation college student. I really had to build my network from the ground up since college. Right. But it's really like building your professional network and social network too. College is kind of like a fresh start, regardless of if you're starting from scratch or if you already had a few people in your network. I will say I did kind of feel like I had to remove people from back home, like from my hometown and undergrad, like in my network. But I realized that isn't always true. Yeah, I'm learning that too. In college, I felt like if I didn't know a president, a director, or somebody with a big name, there was no hope for me. I felt that way too. But it's really more like if you don't network in addition to working with your mentor, advisor, or career coach, you might actually find it harder to get a job, apply to graduate school, the Peace Corps, or whatever post-graduation plans you have in mind. Yeah, that's definitely not as dramatic as I was thinking. Also, networking probably would have helped me make IU feel more of a home for me. That's one thing I would do over again is actually get out more and try to make friends. Yeah. And, you know, um, a student actually called in to the podcast wondering about networking and how to build community. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Nathan from Indy. I've heard a lot about networking, but it's intimidating. Many of my friends came from high school or sports. How do I begin to network and build community with other college students, professors, and professionals? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks so much for your question. Just like you, Nikki and I are still building our social and professional networks. Yes. Yeah. For you being in college, it's like the ultimate cheat code. There are so many opportunities for you to meet and interact with so many different people. Right. In March of 2022, Ohio State found that undergraduate students who were involved with on-campus activities had significantly higher sense of belonging scores on average compared to undergraduate students who weren't involved with on-campus activities. And they were like three times more likely to have relationships with other Ohio State students. Wow, that makes sense why I felt that way and why networking is so important. 
However, it is easier said than done. <laughs> Very true. That's why we have a few tips here on how to actually network, cultivate relationships, the benefits of mentorship, and resources that might be helpful along the way. All right. So like we're saying, networking is not as daunting as you think. It's as easy as getting involved. At Ohio State, students were more um, or were highly involved in campus life, were 1.8 times likely to have a job offer at the time of graduation, 1.7 times were likely to express interest in attending graduate or professional school, and rated 18% more career ready by employers than their uninvolved peers. For those who are struggling with getting involved like I did, or even if your schedule feels cramped, start small. Office hours count, tutoring counts, even if you're not really struggling, of course. If you work part-time and actually like a coworker or even some of them, try talking to them outside work, challenge yourself to accept an invitation to go out, or you ask them at least once. As you feel comfortable, maybe branch out and try different things. And if it takes time, that's totally fine. So it all starts by putting yourself out there. It has more than career or social benefits. The average GPA of Purdue University students who are active members of at least one student club or organization is 0.11 points higher than non-members. Additionally, student club and organization officers average a GPA of 0.22 higher than non-members. Joining clubs or volunteering could be one of the quickest ways to explore careers, internships, or research opportunities. But remember, like, be mindful of stretching yourself thin uh, by getting involved in too many activities. You can tell if your academics are declining, if you're oversleeping, not sleeping enough, fatigue, headaches, etc. It varies from person to person, so be sure to check in with yourself at least once a week and reflect on how you're feeling emotionally, physically. If starting off slow means starting off with apps, utilize LinkedIn, Handshake, and other apps safely. Start with Handshake. Fill out your profile thoroughly. Employers will actually respond to you. And you can also discover positions, internships, and companies. If you have a LinkedIn account, you can connect with alumni for informational interviews, and that conversation may grow into them becoming your mentor. You can even connect with current students or alumni through filtering by major company experiences and so forth. And so here's an example of how you can reach out to someone on these platforms. Things you really need to include are your name, major, field you're interested in, or the companies you're interested, et cetera. Ask about insights into the application process, tips for the field, and your own career journey. Um, ask about, like, or mention what you saw on their profile to make you reach out. What specific experience or credentials you'd like to further, you know, your skills on. Um, invite them to chat with options either via phone, in person, Zooms, Microsoft Teams, or email. Be mindful of their time, though. If they are too busy, ask if they have any referrals that you could talk to instead. Of course, if you're reaching out to a peer or a classmate, you can switch it up, you know, make it a little shorter, like um, you don't have to go into as much detail. You can use Canvas to message classmates, too. I know there are other apps like Bumble or social media apps you might use. Just make sure, you know, you use these tools safely. And if you want to meet in person, please always meet in a public space. Make sure you always share your location if possible, too. So we all know whether it's romantic, platonic, familial, work, school, all relationships are difficult. <laughs> Values and interests don't only apply to your career exploration journey. Be honest with yourself and others and what you're looking for at the moment and look for shared interests and core values. 
When you get out there, you have a chance to actually meet new people. Showing up is hard, but that's half the battle. Initiating conversations, even though it may be harder to do, has great benefits. And just know, research actually shows that most people will like you and enjoy your conversation more than you think. Look for multiple positive cues before engaging. For instance, if you both found yourselves looking at each other, you both smiled, you accidentally bumped into them, you both say sorry, maybe smiled again. A song came on that you both knew, or you all did the same activity, you sat next to each other in class, etc. Socializing does take practice, so here's a few pointers. Compliments are always a good starter, whether it's I like your portfolio or pin, where'd you get that shirt, have you seen them live or have you been there, based on what they have on their shirt. Switch it up based on who you're talking to. So if it's someone in class, you could say your notes seem so organized or you're always so prepared for discussions. Do you have any tips? And if the conversation flows naturally, perfect. Um, you know, if not, embrace the awkward moments. Laugh. Open up about why it's so awkward for you. There are ways that you can share without oversharing. So, for instance, you could say, like, oh, that was awkward. Sorry, I just kind of got out of an unhealthy relationship. Or socializing is a skill I'm still practicing. Online dating or befriending is great exposure to different people. However, be sure to practice the art of socializing and networking through conversations and face-to-face -face interactions at some point. Text and phone conversations are a great starting point, uh, yet beyond that, it allows us multiple chances to nitpick rather than really experiencing if you all kind of like vibe. <laughs> yet this does not apply to red flags. Video chatting works as a precursor to your outing. Try a virtual date, platonic or romantic. If possible, check in or share with someone you trust after every outing. They may be able to spot a red flag you haven't. And these tips are universal. Just modify them considering on the type of relationship you're trying to build. I wish I would have been into someone before and after a few of my high school interviews <laughs> and dates. And mentorship matters, and it should be a two-way street where you both benefit positively from each other. Seek out mentors that are where you want to be in five years or someone you did an informational interview with. Or you may realize you've already developed a mentorship with an instructor, professor, graduate assistant, academic advisor through a mentorship program or upperclassmen. For example, in, in my undergrad, my scholarship director had a huge impact on my career path. She noticed my desire to help people and was the first person to talk to me about social work and grad school, which led to me getting my MSW. Scholarship programs or any kind of bridge program or any kind of community that's already set is always a good place to start. Honestly, too, my scholarship director and advisor were helpful in me doing AmeriCorps, uh, working as an academic advisor, a career coach, and now I'm interested in higher education and student affairs and adult education. But please believe us, it's not that simple. We know it's not that simple. Building networks, friendships, and let alone relationships do not happen overnight. Especially as we're still regrouping from COVID-19. But the good news is it is a learning process. And it really does take time and effort to build or expand your social and network support system. Just know that at any point, it's okay to change course or regroup or start fresh. And as always, there are professionals here at IU to help even once you become an alumni. College is expensive. Want to learn more about money and personal finance? Check out IU Money Smarts, a free and confidential service for IU students. You can schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment and talk to a team peer financial educator about budgeting, savings, credit cards, debt, student loans, and so much more. You know they say money is power. Take back the power by learning more about your financial future. Want to learn more? Visit moneysmarts.iu.edu. That's moneysmarts.iu.edu. Check it out today.
In this segment on major choices, we are pulling back the curtain into the world of work. In each episode, we've got a new guest on to share with us about all the things of their particular industry or field. And so today on the Inside Scoop, I'm thrilled to have Catherine Beck with us, who is going to be giving us an insider view about the career of medical social work. So welcome to Major Choices, Catherine. Thank you. Thank it's, you for having me. It's so great to have you here. So as you know, um, our listeners are mostly first-year students or college students sort of trying to figure out these major choices of their own life about what to study, what career paths to go into. And, um, and within this segment of the inside scoop, we really would love to sort of get sort of that insider look into today, the, the world of medical social work. So why don't you get us started by telling us, um, how long you've been doing the thing? Okay. Um, well, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I've been a social worker for 22 years. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, <laughs> I've always, I know, um, I've always worked in healthcare. Okay. Um, I started out in an outpatient clinic in a large urban hospital um, in New York, and I've worked in Los Angeles and then ended up here in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, but yeah, I've always worked in hospitals. Um, primarily doing like critical care and cardiovascular and pretty much actually every part of the hospital, except wow. pediatrics. The hospitals I've worked in do not have pediatrics. So. All right. And so we should have mentioned that you're at IU Health here in Bloomington. Yes, I'm yes. at IU Health and I actually work with the palliative care team. Do you so want to explain job, about what that is a little bit? Yeah. Um, palliative care is kind of a newer medical specialty. Um, we look at really kind of whole person care. Um, our goal is to relieve distress of any kind, whether it be um, physical, spiritual, psychological, emotional, you know, you name it, we address it. And not just for the patient, but for their family as well. And the patients that we primarily see are patients that have life limiting illnesses. And so we're there to try and improve on their quality of life while they're still pursuing treatment. So generally speaking, what does your day-to-day -day as a medical social worker actually entail? Mm -hmm. um, usually I come in the morning, check my email, pull up the hospital census, um, kind of look through the patients that I'm working with, sort of see how they're doing that morning. Um, we get ready to do interdisciplinary rounds. Um, that's our whole team um, on a conference call in the morning, discussing every patient on our list and potentially any new consults that we are gonna be seeing that day. So it's a chance for us to um, get a snapshot of each patient each day because things change from day to day and talk about what our goals are and how we wanna try and um, help patients achieve them. Gotcha. And then, um, then it's you know off to the races. Mm -hmm. um, then it's off to seeing patients in the hospital or making phone calls to family members um, and just, you know, just going through the day and um, finding time to do all the charting, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, finding time to eat lunch. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's, it's a busy day. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of talking, a lot of just uh -huh. being present with patients and families. Right. So yeah. what do you love most about what you do? Um, I think what I love most is, um, 
being able to connect with people on a very genuine level. Um, being in the hospital is people are extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I really, um, I like being able to be part of helping them through that time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something just really gratifying on a gut level to connect with people in that way, you know, because, um, you know, you're in the hospital, there's kind of no hiding right? some ways. And, um, and I know that um, it's that I'm really being honored with um, having their trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so there, I mean, there's something very special about kind of being in a, I don't know, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of a sacred space with people. Absolutely. Where they're able to share what's going on and what they're fearful of. Yeah. So, so most of the time, would you say the majority of your work is to sit and to talk and to offer that emotional, um, support for students? You also, for your clients, do you also connect with resources or help them after that and make those? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the first part is just connecting with the patient Mm -hmm, and then talking to them about, you know, sort of what's their big picture, um, what resources do they need? And then it's a matter of, yes, connecting them with different community resources or written information or just providing um, education, you know, one-to-one about situations. Um, I do a lot of advanced care planning, uh-huh. uh, which is helping people uh, do their healthcare representative uh, living will or what we mm-hmm. use in Indiana now is called a post-norm talking about, you know, we, we are the people that have the really tough discussions. Sure. Right. About the right. big, scary stuff mm-hmm. and helping people document their wishes so that they're in charge. Right. Right. What would you say is the most challenging aspect of your role? Um, I think one of the most challenging aspects is when people expect the social worker to just fix it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this sure. is common no matter where you go or what you do in uh-huh. social work. Uh-huh. Um, social workers are kind of thought to have like a little magic wand. Um, and we don't. Um, but it's hard when people don't realize that, you know, yes, a person is leaving without a new apartment to live in. Um, but that's because I don't have the resources to do it. You know, or that doesn't happen right here. Um, so I think that really the biggest uh, challenge is to, um, to also just help colleagues see that there are, you know, sometimes we don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that we don't want to find it. Um, no one's being lazy. It's just sometimes it doesn't exist. And being able to tolerate that sometimes we can't mm-hmm. fix it. Tolerate that tension. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like you said, hold, hold that space, even when there's no good answer. Right. And and we do that for patients, but oftentimes we also do that for staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned about, you know, sort of the, the broader umbrella of social work. Mm -hmm. Would you mind just for our listeners who maybe aren't quite as familiar with like all the different types of social work one mm-hmm. could go into. Could you just talk a little bit about sort of, you know, when you are getting, going into sort of the field of social work, what are some different mm-hmm. pathways that one could choose? Oh, golly. There are a jillion. <laughs> uh, truly. Um, yeah. Some people go into um, 
golly, uh, working with kids, school social work. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's school social work, medical social work, um, uh, just general counseling. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, employee assistance programs, private practice, um, community mental health clinics, things like that. Mm -hmm. Some people go into um, working with substance use disorder. Um, you're, we're starting to see social workers in, um, with working with the police, okay, yeah, uh, right. working in outpatient medical offices. Um, oh my gosh, it, it just goes on and on community, Case, yeah. um, community, uh, action networks, you know, working on a sort of a grassroots level to help advocate for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, if it really applies to almost every aspect yeah. of society. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'm sorry. I can't think of absolutely everything right oh, now. Oh no, no. Is, I think that, I think that that's, that's great so to be broad. able to sort of, yeah, to help our, yeah. our listeners to see how there are multiple different pathways, yeah. you know, that it's not just sort of you're choosing one, one stream, but there's actually using a, a core set of skills that can be applied in a lot yeah. of different environments. And I would also recommend um, going onto the website for the National Association of Social Workers, because they will show you all the different areas that people are practicing in. Awesome. Uh, That's a great research. You know, there's also um, research, mm -hmm. um, or you know, organizing, administration, like that. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go ahead and link that in their show notes. If, if any listeners are, are interested in, in looking at that, I'll make sure um, yeah, it's that a, that's it's there. A good place to start. That's great. So when you think about somebody who is sort of considering this field, what mm -hmm. are some key factors for them? Do you think is important to discern if it's going to be a good fit for them? You know, we're talking their different types of personalities or interests or experience mm -hmm. or, you know, anything like that. Um, so for the for broader, just kind of going into social work as a profession, I would say that, you know, it's important to know that, you know, someone who's there for the client, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot you learn about mental health and, you know, kind of societal health. Um, it's about helping the patient Sometimes people go in thinking, oh, well, I'll learn all this stuff and I'll be a better me. Mm. Um, that's, that's another road. So um, people who are really feel comfortable in dedicating themselves to a cause, I think that's important for the profession itself. Um, don't look to make money. Um, social workers are notoriously um, underpaid. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, we're brilliant advocates for other people. So you got to be a good advocate for yourself. Gotcha. Gotcha. The impact, the impact is if we could only compensate based on the impact that you make, Oh, it would right. be a different story for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, mm -hmm. In hospitals, I think you have to be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not to be put off by, you know, bodily fluids or, you know, all the gory stuff because you see it. Gotcha. Yeah. You're sort of right in there, sort of in the mix when you are. Happens. Yep. You are. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last question here, what advice do you have for somebody who's just getting started or, or you could sort of ask yourself or, or answer this question, you know, what do you wish you would have known when you were just starting out? 
that would have been helpful. Um, I think, I wish I had known that, I wish I had known not to be surprised that I would just be sort of dropped into the mix. I think that there are, and other people I've talked to in other areas of social work have commented on this, is that, you know, they drop you right into the game. There's not a lot of, you know, handholding before you are on the ground running. So just to be prepared for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if I'd known that I was just going to have to like dive in, that would have been uh, helpful. It wouldn't be a shock. <laughs> um, I mean, it's certainly doable. Sure. And social workers are really good about supporting each other. Mm -hmm. So um, don't be afraid to ask any questions. Yeah. To ask for help and to ask absolutely. For help. And if you don't know something, research it. There you go. Keep educating yourself mm -hmm. and get supervision. Awesome. Well, yes. those are some, those are some great pieces of advice for sure that you know, not only is for someone who's going into the social work or the medical social work field, but also just any listener who's thinking about any career path, I think, you know, too, of, of that advocating for yourself, finding that support, um, doing that research. So thanks so much, Catherine, for joining us on Major Choices today. It was so great to hear from you and, and to learn more about what the world of medical social work is all about. Friends, thanks so much for joining us today on Major Choices, a podcast all about designing the career you want. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to Major Choices, rate us, and leave a review. It helps others looking for career advice to find us. As always, we hope that this conversation sparked something within you to reflect on as you design your own path ahead. These decisions can often weigh heavy, but remember, you are not alone. If you need help locating your career coach, you can contact us at iucareer at indiana.edu. Special thanks to co-writers and co-producers, our fabulous Career Development Center career peers, Jed Ams, Alex King, and Lena Evans. Finally, in the words of Oscar Wilde, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Until next time, friends, be well. Mm -hmm.